Now it's time for Greg Bishop and the Council Roundup. All right. Council Roundup brought to you by Head West Subs. When you want a great sub, you've got to head west. And uh, we've got a two-hour, 30-minute meeting from last night. A lot to get to. Uh, of course, uh, all of it here with the Council Roundup each and every Wednesday on WMAY. So thanks for taking time with us and uh, carving this out so you can stay informed and stay connected. A lot to get to from last night, jumping around from topic to topic, as a city council typically does. Uh, but we start with an audit. It's the Annual Comprehensive Financial Report. The CAFR, Comprehensive Annual Financial Report. Is that right? Yeah, okay. So these are these are annual reports based off previous year's spending. So the budget year that's already been completed gets a thorough review of how much money's coming in, how much money's going out, but also looking at everything that was spent. It's supposed to be an audit of every single cent of your tax dollar. And uh, Springfield uh, hearing some overview uh, from the city's independent auditor last night. Here's some of that uh, to start last night's meeting. Hello, thank you for having me. My name is Joe Lightcap. I'm a partner with Baker Tilly. Uh, we're the independent auditors for the city of Springfield. So he uh, went on to talk about an overview. We don't necessarily hear specific numbers for uh, you know the the total amount spent, but we do hear how things have fluctuated from fund to fund. So here's some overview. Statement two shows net position decreasing across the city um, by about 31.3 million. Governmental activities increased by 30.7 million, uh, mainly due to the spending of, of funds on capital improvements and capital projects, uh, and, and the, pay, the spend down of long, or the repayment of long-term debt. Business type activities decreased about by about 61.9 million. This was mainly due to the decommissioning, uh, the plant decommissioning that happened during the year. More from uh, the overview. Statement five shows an overall decrease in fund balance of about 5.1 million. The general fund increased 5.8 million. The motor fuel tax fund, another major fund, decreased by about 3.8 million. This was mainly due to spending on projects where the, the reimbursement will occur later on. It's and more on an overview. The non-major funds had a decrease in fund balance of about 7.2 million, and this was related to the spend down of fund balance on capital improvements um, and capital equipment. And finally here from uh, the overview that uh, Joe the auditor gave of the city's comprehensive annual financial report. Spend on capital improvements, that helps your net position when you spend down long-term debt, that also helps. Um, but then your your long your net pension liabilities and OPEB liabilities, if they increase, that'll that'll decrease your net position. So uh, finally, here uh, just some thoughts about uh, comments, and these are things that um, you hear, you know, like audit findings. And uh, I don't think that there's any government body out there that doesn't have some sort of findings or comments it just it just happens no no government uh, spreadsheets perfect <laughs> but uh you know here's uh, i guess an overview of just uh, a few of the comments that springfield city government got from this independent audit this year there were two comments um, the results of audit adjustments that were determined during the year the city has put in procedures to help mitigate this going forward 
um, and were very quick to, to help us through um, rectifying these adjustments. So while these comments, um, we haven't had comments in the past for the city, um, I think that is a testament to the, to the, the diligence of the Office of Management Budget and it's pretty rare amongst our, your peers to not have any comments. So it seems to be, uh, you know, a, a decent report. But here's the deal. These CAFRs are thousands of pages long. I don't know how long this one in particular is, but I mean, it's just lines and lines and lines and lines and lines. Numbers, 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 numbers. Fund, 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 fund. They're, they're huge. <laughs> they're massive. All right. But they're important because they're independently audited numbers uh, and uh, something I think that uh, anybody who wants to learn more about government finance, uh, they should definitely uh, delve into a comprehensive annual financial report. But Alderman Redpath, uh, a little uh, a little peeved that there wasn't more uh, headway given uh, for Alderman to be able to digest this properly. It's hard to follow a, prog a, a report like this when you don't have it in front of you. And most of us, even if we briefly looked at it, we need it here. I mean, this is this is un, un, uh, you know this is ridiculous. We should not have to sit here and listen to a guy tell us the stuff and go on page seven this and then on page ten this. We have no idea. We're sitting here listening to something we don't have any idea. This is a this is a very important report, and I encourage you, Mayor, in the future to have your director be more prepared and make sure that we either have a presentation up on the screen or we have a report sitting on our desk. So that's uh, Alderman Redpath, and there were uh, several other older people who shared uh, similar questions about uh, how to access the reports, and it is available on the city's website. You just got to search around and find it. But again, uh, be sure to get your coffee and sit down with the report. And if you want to print it out, we're probably going to have to get a new ream of paper. Just just warning you in advance. Uh, but uh, Alderman Redpath had, a, had a, a question about a different sort of audit when it comes to liquor and gaming and whether or not uh, businesses that have gambling are living up to the standards. And we usually do them in January or February after the renewals come in. We didn't do them last year because of the pandemic. So are we do we have those underway right now? We did, uh, well, we do a 30 year. And again, we didn't do one last year. The prior year, we did a third randomly chosen of the ones who were not grandfathered. And all of them were in compliance. Because I know all of us are getting complaints about businesses not complying with what our rules are. So we need to, mm -hmm. we need to turn that up or we need to uh, increase our, our audits. What I would encourage any of you to do, if you get a complaint about a specific entity, let me know and I can do an audit. So that's uh, a little bit of foreshadowing on the conversations that they had later on in the meeting last night about liquor licenses. So we'll get to that conversation coming up. Also, uh, we'll hear about block parties and uh, other unfinished business. So stay tuned. That's all on the way. But next up, an ordinance concerning uh, abandoned properties. So we'll hear about that here on the WMAY Morning News. This is Alderman Sean Gregory, and you're listening to the Council Roundup on WMAY. All right. Glad we got that one from Alderman Gregory. I got to go find all the other ones. Alderman DeCenso. Uh, I, I think I got to get one from Alderman Redpath. And Alderman Conley. I think I got to just do a round and get uh, 
everybody on that. But appreciate uh, Alderman Sean Gregory taking just a brief moment yesterday to give us that little plug there. All right, it's the WMAY Council Roundup brought to you by Head West Subs. When you want a great sub, you've got to head west. Their downtown location open for lunch. Let's hear the mayor laying out uh, some city business. The 1988 City of Springfield Code of Ordinances as amended pertaining to the registration of vacant buildings. Chair will entertain a motion to place agenda number 2021-390 on final passage. Mr. Mayor, I, I would like uh, to hold this. Um... So that's Alderman Jean Gregory talking about an ordinance he brought forward, and we talked with him about this yesterday as well, how he uh, wants to move forward with this, but there's still some concerns from individuals uh, who uh, who have uh, some things they want to tweak in this measure. Uh, so instead of rushing it, Alderman Gregory uh, willing to hold it a bit. Uh, there was a member of the audience uh, who, who raised just a few questions as to you know what they want to see happen with this thing. Hi, my name is uh, Colin Sisko. I'm the local government affairs director with the uh, capital area realtors and for this um, for this amendment um, one of the changes would be changing the uh, the timeline from three years to one years for a certificate of occupancy or de demolish a building and we believe that that will disincentivize uh, investors to come in and revitalize these properties if they so choose um, we just think that the one-year period can cause a lot of disincentivization, disincentivization, <laughs> disincentivizations to uh, come and revitalize. So we would like to work with Alderman Gregory and try to fix up this language. Disincentivization is a tough word. So. Uh... <laughs> Good job, uh, especially if you're wearing a mask in front of an audience. Uh, so they, I can we imagine that, so uh, that would be some problems. Uh, Alderman Sean Gregory, uh, again, talking about uh, the importance of this because, you know, he said, uh, as he shared with us yesterday, there are homes that have been vacant since he was a little kid that haven't been dealt with. And it's just it needs to be dealt with. We need to get this process moving to clear out these properties. But he's hearing those concerns and he's willing to work with people. But we have so many houses that we're really past the point of, 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 of it taking too long to get them get them back so we really are looking to get after this um but with that I, I'm, I'm fine with holding it for a few weeks and, and work with you guys and, and try to come up with something uh, for everyone I, I don't have a problem with that so uh corporation counsel jim zirkel city's attorney uh talking about uh, the due process that uh, ultimately needs to be part of any measure going forward dealing with uh, dilapidated or uh abandoned properties you know either the property is truly almost like abandoned meaning the current owner is, you know, letting the letting it go for taxes. You know, they're just not doing anything. It's just sitting there. Or maybe a person owns it, but they don't have the resources. So when you start getting into that, the sooner you can identify what category to put it in, It's and, and that's all this process was designed to do, is to try to move the process to move more quickly and not let it simply be there for three years. So that was the, the original intent. Uh, but you certainly have to allow due process, you know, to property owners with, without question. So uh, there were others there uh, while the realtor group said that they want to add some more language to this to make sure that, uh, you know, it's it's appropriate and not going to disincentivize people from uh, investing in, in properties. Uh, you had others who stood up and uh, spoke in support of it, including Bill Basket. I am the chairperson for the Springfield Inner City Older Neighborhoods PAC, ICON. And he talked about this is a measure that needs to move forward. ICON is pleased to see an ordinance proposal come from this report in Ordinance 2020-390.
Although this is a good first step in addressing the Bloom Board report, there is much more hard work which lies ahead for the city of Springfield in dressing blight. No question. If you remember that Bloomberg report and highlighted how Springfield's got quite a bit of blight that it needs to deal with. And it's a big problem for people visiting the city because some of the major thoroughfares into the city's center. Uh, you're driving by a lot of properties that are boarded up. Got grass growing overboard, uh, all kinds of, you know, the roofs that are falling in. And it's just, it's not, it's not attractive. It's just not attractive, uh, especially there. I think, what is it, coming in from uh, South Grand uh, and some of the other uh, uh, pathways into the city's core. Uh, it can use some revitalization. Uh, but that's going to take resources, uh, not just from the city, but also from the private sector uh, to step up and. Uh, how do you exactly get those resources in place and have the right balance of ordinances uh, regulating things that doesn't disincentivize investment, uh, but rather will uh, encourage such investment? Uh, so I don't know what the what the thinking uh, should be. Is it uh, you know offering up tax incentives? Is it uh, maybe uh, having bulldozers roll through? Uh, how do you best find the appropriate mix? It's a great question. Uh, I'm not the one elected to make come up with the decision so uh good luck uh to to alderman dealing with that and alderman sean gregory uh seeming to lead the charge uh but holding off on this ordinance just to get the language just right all right uh coming back we will delve into this next ordinance that did spur on some good conversation as amended changing from a package only sale license to an on-site consumption license so, dealing with liquor licenses and the question of a 3 a.m. license, should we still have that in the city of Springfield? Back with the Council Roundup, brought to you by Head West Subs. When you want a great sub, you've got to head west. Their downtown location open for lunch. I'm Greg Bishop, bringing you the Council Roundup each and every Wednesday. If there's a council meeting, we digest it and give you all the highlights. Last night, about a two-hour and 40-minute meeting, the one thing they focused some attention on was the issue of liquor licenses. But the issue got a little convoluted because the original ordinance dealt with liquor licenses for establishments that want gaming, seeming to kind of uh, curb that a bit. But Alderman Ralph Hanauer wanted to amend it to include a prohibition on future 3 a.m. liquor licenses. Here's Corporation Counsel Jim Zirkel laying out what the amendment ultimately spells out. This uh, provision provides that no new liquor uh, license shall be granted that allows for the sale of alcoholic drink for consumption on the premises or the sale in the original package for consumption off the premises between the hours of 1 a.m. and 7 a.m after the effective date of this amendment. It indicates that this shall not apply to the renewal or transfer of existing licenses or to Class K licenses, which are the full-service uh, hotels, like mini bars, you know, in the rooms. This section does not apply to the extended hours of operation permitted under Section 9030B, which is for, for example, uh, New Year's Eve uh, or the uh, State Fair better not apply to new year's eve i mean come on can you imagine cutting the party off at one o'clock you worried about pop-up block parties so geez uh here's alderman hanauer with why he believes that this is an important issue to address and move forward on to prohibit 3 a.m liquor licenses many times we don't have police protection on the in in, in most of the wards except for the ones that have the three o'clock license um 
that's the purpose of, of doing this. The people that have the three o'clock license, they're still gonna have it. It's just saying we're not gonna go forward. More from Alderman Hanauer. In other municipalities where they have a lot of kids in college towns and that, they shut down a lot of times at one o'clock. I think a lot of them are at one o'clock, so. And uh, final comment here. We've got a police department right now where we're short staffed. We don't have that many police officers out on the on the street, you know, in any given shift. And, you know, they have to go, sometimes they have to go in these bars to rouse people out and, or, you know, break up a fight or whatever. And, you know, it puts them in a bad situation, so. And the uh, assistant police chief was there as well to uh, address some of the concerns about uh, manpower issues around those times uh, concerning 3 a.m. liquor licenses. Uh, it is it is taxing on manpower. It does affect um, our ability to respond to other calls for service. It does affect our proactivity when it comes to patrolling the streets for burglars or whatever the case may be, for sure. And there were questions about what about private security for some of these establishments? Should we require that? And what about uh, off-duty officers providing that private security? security. Here's Corporation Counsel Zirkle. You know, individual business uh, is responsible for its own, you know, security inside, for example, inside its uh, facility and things of that nature. But do we require that they have staff do we, on do, site? Does the city code, you mean, set yes, out a... that's my, that's my okay, question. require them to hire security? Yes. No. That's a... Uh, Alderwoman Conley with that question. Uh, but Zirkel also talks about the liability issues. If we allow a police officer to go to a place in their uniform carrying their gun or their badge, something happens, that is a liability issue for the city even when they're off duty. Alderman Gregory uh, raising concerns as he did uh, last week and yesterday on air with us about this issue. Because uh, these owners, you know, that, that, are, that are having these clubs, they don't want this stuff that happens. I, on my way here, there was just a shooting. It was 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, so, so violence happens. There's no particular time. It's a little slower at night, so we see a lot more of it and we hear it. But there's violence that happens throughout the city all day long. Uh, a man was just shot and killed on the south side of my ward, 9 o'clock last night. So It's an issue, no question about it. It uh, doesn't matter what time of day. Uh, Alderman Gregory raising that issue. More from the Ward 2 Alderman. We've talked about, like I said, casinos and um, different business ventures to try to grow this city, to try to add to our revenue to help get more officers, to help pay for it, firefighters and all the things that we're struggling at right now. And, and, and we just deal with the issue. We just deal with the issue, in my opinion. And, and instead of blanking at everybody, I hate for everybody to throw everybody in the same bucket. I hate it. I hate to be done, done like that. I'm sure none of us want to be thrown in the one large bucket. Um, and, and that's just where I'm standing on this. So uh, don't paint with a broad brush, uh, in, in other words. Uh, Alderman Redpath revisiting the issue of private Our security. police officers are always going to be there. They're going to have to sit outside and wait till this thing spills into the street, which it will. And then we're going to, there's going to be a situation where there's police officers tied up at one scene and they're not out in Ward 6, they're not out in Ward 10, they're not out in Ward 1. They're tied up in, the, in a situation where the city's not covered. And again, uh, you've got, you know, the idea of having private security, sure. But what if, you know, the brawl uh, just gets out of hand and private security can't handle it indoors and it spills out? Well, then you've got people in the streets. And that's when police have to respond. Uh, more from Alderman Redpath. When they get in there to a situation where they have two or 300 people show up in your parking lot, 
uh, we're not going to send our officers into the middle of that situation. We're going that, that, that puts our officers in a bad way. We, we need more officers. We, they know it. The mayor knows it. We all know it. Alderman Williams chiming in on this issue as well. Uh, if 3 o'clock ever went away, that don't mean people's going to go home at 1 o'clock. Mm -hmm. They're, they're going to go somewhere. They're going to do something and because they're, they're young. I mean, because it's a quality life issue for them. They want something to do. They don't want to, part, you know, roll up the sidewalks and everybody go home and go. To, they're not going to do that just because everything's closing at 1. And uh, you have uh, this issue, of course, about the 3 a.m. liquor license uh, possibly being added onto a measure about whether or not uh, liquor licenses should be granted to some establishments that just want it to have video gaming. Uh, so you can see how, uh, you know, you've got one issue uh, possibly amending into uh, adding another issue, but it kind of convolutes things a bit. Uh, so Mike Monsure, uh he's with a local group of uh, restaurant and uh, liquor establishments owners uh, and he was there to talk about uh, their support for one aspect of it but the need to hold off on another aspect to me personally to our surprise the membership supported the amendment um, for the reasons that uh, Alderman Hanauer which I have not had the opportunity to speak to about this uh, present it. So uh, uh, support for ending um, more 3 a.m. licenses moving forward uh, and uh, other issues as well. Uh, here's more from Mike Monsieur. So our proposal is possibly not go with the amendment this evening, but let's have a discussion. Our association would be willing to sit down and maybe come up with a good solution. So having more conversation with the industry, I think, is what uh, Monsieur is uh, is laying out there. Uh, so on the amendment for prohibiting future 3 a.m. liquor licenses, how did your alderman um, fall into this uh, yes or no category? Alderman Redpath. Aye. Alderman Gregory. Nay. Alderman Williams. No. Alderman Phil Genzi. Present. Alderwoman Lucasia Purchase. Nay. Alderwoman DeSenso. No. Alderman McMiniman. Yes. Alderwoman Connolly. No. Alderman Donnelly. Aye. Alderman Hanauer. Aye. Four ayes and five nays, Mayor. The motion fails. So that motion uh, not advancing. So maybe we'll hear more about this when it comes to hearing, uh, you know, all sides of it, getting collaboration, discussing how to address the issue. Is it to prohibit 3 a.m. licenses or is it just to have better manpower coverage from Springfield police? Uh, moving on, uh, they did approve the the ordinance uh, before an amendment was offered, of course, uh, and that would uh, ultimately allow for uh, limitations on liquor licenses when it comes to getting video gaming. Uh, as well. So that did get approved, but the 3 a.m. prohibition did not. Uh, moving on, unfinished business. That's with Joe with that, but where, where, what are we doing with that cannabis business program? We need to get it out and um, the reefer money. A thousand questions about it, and you know, <laughs> I, I have no explanation. Yeah, the uh, money. <laughs> 
was Alderman Gregory came out and said, what, what's going on with that reefer money? Uh, it was a reference to Alderman McMiniman's uh, characterization of uh, of cannabis uh, tax money that the city collects. So the mayor said that, uh, you know, they'll have more detail on that uh, here soon. So maybe we'll uh, touch base with uh, Alderman Gregory about that once he gets more details on how those uh, cannabis tax dollars are going to be utilized. Alderwoman Conley has something she wants to raise. Uh, Alderwoman, it, uh, I did reach out to the consultants a couple of weeks ago per the mayor's request to get a status update, and they had indicated that they were trying to finalize the report. They thought it would take two to three weeks to do so. So, And that's the report on uh, firefighters and uh, just a possible revamping of sorts of Springfield's fire department. Uh, so Alderwoman Conley wanting uh, to find out the status of that. Theoretically, we should have it any day now. I'll reach out to them again tomorrow to see if we can get another update, and I'll let everybody know. So uh, that's uh, Budget Director McCarty uh, responding to Conley's questions. Uh, next up, you've got, uh, let's see here, who is this? My name is Don Carley. Yeah. I'm a resident of Springfield and serve as the General Counsel of Horace Mann. I'm here tonight as an executive of the company to express our disappointment and concerns related to the city of Springfield's 457B deferred compensation plan. So this is actually uh, rather interesting. This is during public comments. Uh, a representative from Horace Mann gets up there and says uh, they were told, uh, actually they weren't told, they they bid to help manage city employees' deferred compensation plan. It's above and beyond their pensions. Something that they could do to uh, you know take their own money and invest it. Uh, similar to, you know, uh, I've got a 401k. I've got like three or four of them or something. i got to consolidate those or something. I don't know. But anyways, uh, th- this ultimately was about having Horace Mann uh, be one of the uh, uh, the vendors that uh, could help facilitate that investment for city employees. But uh, the Horace Mann representative saying that they were essentially uh, not approved uh, and they're questioning the process of how this all played out. 16, 17 months ago, I think it was on July 23rd, we submitted an RFP. We have not officially heard any response. A letter, uh, an email was sent out um, to a large member, a large number of the plan participants, and it was dated September 14th. That um, email advised those participants that the Deferred Compensation Committee had made a decision to select three of the five participants and advised the participants that uh, they could no longer provide, uh, submit funds to Horace Mann and that Horace Mann would be excluded. So this caught some aldermen off guard. Uh, it's the first they'd heard of it. Alderman Hanauer saying that anytime a local business doesn't get the city's business, it's frustrating. Uh, you've got the mayor saying that uh, this is a separate body that may have made this decision, but it's still something that the city council has to approve. And Alderman McMiniman chiming in saying, whoever sent this email out to city employees, uh, they need to, to check their authority here. I think so. Yeah. And one of these emails going out there saying that we're going in a certain direction. Someone's jumped the gun here. Um, and if you can show us how that happened, uh, let us know. Because this council has the final decision. And we don't want uh, incorrect information going out there by a decision that has not yet been made. Right. So more from McMiniman. Well, check on that email. Because if it says, if it doesn't say something like subject to city council approval, it's, there's a problem with that email that that member of the committee is on, and that member of the committee ought to receive some uh, um, sanctions, <laughs> some corrective right. um, guidance. I love it. 
Alderman McMiniman's so careful with his words. <laughs> Some corrective guidance. I love that. That's awesome. When I have kids, I'm not going to ground them. I'm not going to punish them. I'm going to give them <laughs> corrective guidance. <laughs> that is fantastic. <laughs> All right. Uh, finally here, uh, citizens addressing the council. You had one get up there uh, addressing block parties. My name is Bill Basket. I live on the... Yeah, don't give his address. I am the president of the Lincoln Park Neighborhood Association. And he talks about how uh, it's still a problem with uh, tens of uh, people, hundreds of people getting together and having parties uh, that aren't at an establishment, just out in the public. The Springfield Police Department does not have a contingency plan in place to address the pop-up parties which have been occurring over the last several years in the inner city older neighborhoods and the assistant police chief there this is evident by eyewitness accounts at these parties which have been filmed on video showing that when the police officers are called to these pop-up parties nothing is done to break up these parties and uh, police chief uh, assistant police chief there to, to address some of those concerns we need to the mayor's point again we need citizen support to say we're done with this uh, when we see something, you know, as soon as we can be notified, we can get in there and do our best to absolutely shut this down. But and Alderman Gregory saying the uh, community does need to come together as well. And Alderman Williams, this is one of the major issues he had to tackle when he was uh, appointed to the city council, saying that he was kind of blown away by what he experienced. Kind of a task force or subcommittee or something there where we put together uh, a few neighborhood associations with the police. Uh, with a few aldermen, maybe not all of us, but a few of us. And, and we really brainstorm this thing, whether we do research what happens in other cities when this happens, um, because I know it can be fixed. He said he showed up to one block party, a pop-up party, and uh, he was amazed by all of the uh, uh, lack of following of the law and the police not doing much. And he said he doesn't blame him because, well, quite frankly, you have uh, five police officers and there's 500 people. Uh, you don't want to send them into that area either. So that's your council roundup.